0: Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello everyone, I'm Anka Corbin, your host today on this Globig Podcast. Our hot international expansion topic is hiring in California, the CCPA versus the GDPR, Now, we'll explain what those mean in a second. I want to introduce our guest expert. It's Bill Armstrong, the president of Gava Talent Solutions. Gava Talent Solutions is a global leader in professional staffing and consulting services. They do business in over 100 countries.
1: Hi, thank you. Glad to be here.
0: It's always great to have you. Now, we know that California has always had different regulations when... Related to employment as compared to other United States. The new data privacy regulations called the CCPA Also known as the California Consumer Privacy Act. It's going to be coming into effect officially in 2020 However, many of the requirements Already apply and have been for the past 12 months and we're really going to dig into that the CCPA is frequently being compared to GDPR which is the general data protection regulation in the EU. But there are some really, really big differences and we want to talk about that and and really how it impacts your hiring, whether it's a foreign company coming into the US or a, a US company hiring in California as well. So Bill, so what exactly is the CCPA and what are some of the regulations that people need to be prepared for?
1: So I I think basically what it is, uh I, I think it's you know, California's uh you know, response um, you know, to the GDPR, which is uh basically what is uh the, kind of the, the the standard in the European Union for this type of thing. But it's no it's giving individuals and in the state of California you know, households, uh households as well the the ability to know what personal data is collected on them. Uh, to know if it's sold ever um, by whoever's collected it, if they've sold it to a, you know, to a third party. Um, and then also it gives you the ability uh, to request that a business delete any of that information they have on you. Um, so it's it not quite as far reaching um, as the, the, the GDPR standards, um, but these are still things that companies are gonna have to contend with.
0: Now, one of the things you had talked talk to me about was that there were already some things that companies had to prepare for in 2019, even though this doesn't officially start in 2020. Tell me a little bit about that and what um, should companies be doing like right now if they haven't already started?
1: Yeah, I, I think it kind of falls into a, a couple of different areas, and I think one of them is that once this CCPA takes effect, that you're going, companies are going to have to have a link on their homepage, which is basically giving the individual a right to say no um, to the sale of any of their personal information. And so, th- this has got to be something that's easy, visible for the person on the website to see. And so companies have to begin, you know, you're going to have to have that link on there for sure. Um, and there's also, depending on, you know, your business and how this works, there's going to have to be some sort of a, you know, parental consent um, with respect to, to, to minors if you're in a situation where you might be collecting any of this type of, uh, you know, uh, of personal data, um, you know, from a minor um and in terms of you know personal data that is a pretty broad definition it's basically anything that um would uh be associated you know just with you or in the state of California also technically with your household um so that would be an IP address uh would would count for that as well as things like you know passwords bank account numbers social security numbers you know all of those types of things address um, that we would associate with an indiv- individual so it, it it's um, it's pretty wide ranging on what that that information is um, and so you've got to make it visible and easy for somebody to get in uh, and and if you have that information, be able to at least opt out of allowing you to sell it if that makes sense
0: and so it's really focused on being able to sell what about when it's kind of combined with other data and then maybe sold by partners or that sort of thing does that apply at that point as well
1: it absolutely does and i think um you know that that is the part that um you know that that if it if it's sold you have to have the ability to know that it's been sold and who it's been sold to and I think this is, you know, from straight out of the Facebook Cambridge Analytica um uh scandal um that occurred where, you know, Facebook sold all of that information um to Cambridge Analytica and then Cambridge Analytica obviously, you know, did all sorts of things with it. And so I think that's basically California's response to saying that you can't do anything of that sort without the the individual Um, knowing that that you're selling it and then having the ability to know who you sold it to.
0: And that's going to be really an interesting challenge, I think, for companies to really just to be able to filter out only Californians, right? I'm assuming that some companies are going to probably do this for everyone, right? Because that's one approach. Another one is to figure out how do you really make sure that that you're – protecting Californians specifically and then the other which is what we saw with jdpr is where They're not going to have wanted to do business at all with someone because they aren't able to figure out how to Handle that I mean it's, I mean, it just seems like that's kind of other different approaches. What are you seeing companies? doing primarily I think
1: so one, which is, you know, a little bit scary is we are not hearing a, a huge amount of buzz about this, um, but we also did not hear a huge amount of buzz about GDPR until, you know, we were getting pretty close to the finish line. And then, you know, that's when companies started to realize, you know, this is something that applies to me and I, and I'd better, um, you know, I'd better get moving on it, Um so, you know, one of the things that that we're doing, uh, and that we would advise anybody that to talk to us about doing it, is, it, you know, don't if you don't need the information, don't collect it. Kind of a, a common sense approach. And then the information that you do have, you know, you should have some things set up, um, you know, anyway to really regulate um, who will see the information. How many people internally you know touch it um, and you know and you've got to think about all of these things and how you store it um, you know because this is dealing you know primarily um with uh, you know protecting the data around the the companies' you knowing if the if the data has been collected and and being sold and things like that, but I think um we also know these situations come up whenever there's a, you know, any sort of a data breach Um, and, and that's going to get you, you know, obviously into trouble. And I think people understand that. And I think companies that actually have done that are doing business in the UK and have had to uh, implement some of these, you know, GDPR standards within their organization, you know, should be in a pretty, um, decent spot to be able to comply you know with the the ccpa
0: right because prime i mean it still has a lot of the same protections but it does go a little bit broader and as you had mentioned the household versus the individual right so that's that's something that might be a little bit of an adjustment but so what are you what are you seeing so you're you're saying a lot of companies just like we saw with the GDPR, are really uh and a wait and see, and then they're gonna just scramble and panic at the last minute to get this ready. Even though they're supposed to be doing something already right now, right? And that's tracking all of this information and being able to report on all of it before the regulation actually goes into effect.
1: Yeah, and and the reality is if you're not working on on that right now, and you're not beginning to, you know, to, to some, to do some of these back office things that you need to do, that you're going to have a very difficult time, you know, being compliant by January 1. Um, I think, you know, it is the, you know, kind of the, you know, the, the nature of the beast that, um, you know, these things do tend to get pushed until they can't get pushed anymore.
0: That makes sense to me. You know, one of the things that, we've heard is that this regulation isn't as it, ha, it has as it has teeth but it doesn't seem to have the same at, as GDPR and so a lot of companies think that they aren't really subject to this or especially smaller ones what have you found like which companies really are kind of in that target zone and then how might others also become in that target zone
1: well, I think one difference um with respect to that is that the way that the, the GDPR um language is written is that it applies to virtually any company that is in the in the EU that is handling information of somebody while they're residing in the EU. Because they basically have a size criteria, and then they have another criteria that says, more or less, that says, or any company that has any personal information. (laughs) Which the way that it's written basically applies to just about everybody. Um, California's that it would be, one, you have to be a company doing business in California with over uh, $25 uh, million a year in sales. Um, Or... You have to have, um, you know, the personal data of over 50,000, you know, customers, households, or devices. Um, and uh, and then the third kicker in there is it would also apply if your company earns more than half of its revenue by selling this type of data. So those are, you know, if you check any one of those three boxes, then this would apply to you. Um so the, the one thing here is for some real, you know, small businesses um, that are under that $25 million a year threshold um, and probably also under, in a lot of cases, that 50,000 – the personal data of 50,000 customers, um, then you technically are not going to have to – comply with this. The, 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 the CCPA does not apply to you. Um, having said that, um, you know, you, you know how these things tend to go that, that these tends to be a stake in the ground um, and mm-hmm. then it tends to go from there. And so if I, um, you know, if if my business were, you know near any of these thresholds or growing in any way shape or form if I were collecting this personal data um then I would probably make sure that I um that, that I I had the ability to you know to comply with this
0: right one of the other things that we kind of learned is that if even if your business isn't doing meeting those three thresholds if you are in any way invested into or partnered with other companies with that do meet those thresholds then you could also potentially be subject to the regulation right so there's these some kind of vague loopholes if you will right that are still being right. defined but there's some there's some question around some of the smaller companies that may or may not be considered somehow either partly owned or invested into or partnered with bigger companies that they then also would be subject so it's something that companies even smaller ones that think that they're really really clear would probably want to really pay attention to right
1: no i i I absolutely agree and you know and i do think this is still evolving a little bit like there you know are still some you know unanswered questions out there. And as it gets closer, you know, uh, there, there may be, um, you know, some more additional guidance that comes out. Um, But, you know, sometimes there isn't, (laughs) you know, it it just is what it is. And you have to figure out how it applies to you.
0: There's been certainly some battles. And I know companies are certain companies are working really hard to um, try to have parts of these this regulation kind of modified and made milder. And so there's lots of lobbying. There are lots of, like you said, open questions, and a lot of these things are still going to be resolved. But for what we know now, and again, we do know that the natural tendency for companies is to wait and see, or at least um, do the minimum, if you will. What what are some of the risks? What are some of the risks for noncompliance that – might make this worth really paying attention
1: to yeah i, I much like the you know the the g d p r is the the fines could become um you know astronomical depending on you know the size of the of the breach, and I shouldn't say the word breach because it's technic- it doesn't have to be a breach, it could be that I collected your data and I sold it to somebody on purpose and they paid me for it and there was no breach of any sort there was no security thing but i sold the data but if you don't have the ability to know that i've sold the data or and you maybe have opted out and i sold the data anyway um then that's where you know the 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 the, the fines come in and the fines can be between a hundred there are statutory fines that could be between $100 a hundred and seven hundred and fifty dollars um you know for each um you know incident slash resident you know of California that would be affected by it. Um and then it, you would also have the ability um in California to sue a, a company because of this so it doesn't take away that. Or, you know, if actual damages are more, you could collect the actual damages as opposed to the 100 to, you know, to 750. Um, And then in some cases, like I said, you may, there could be some lawsuit that you wouldn't want the Mm -hmm. 100 bucks. um, You would want to to take your chances in suing the company. Um, And then there are also, um, you know, uh, violations that come with it, and if it's deemed to be um intentional it would be $7500 for each violation and if it's unintentional it would be $2500 for each violation
0: so if you have a database of 50,000 people that were or 100,000 people that were just not been, that you weren't compliant for that adds up really quickly
1: it becomes astronomical and there's no cap on it um And, you know, the EU, the fines um, are huge. You know, they can be, um, you know, 10, depending on the, you know, what the uh, incident is, but it could be 10 to $20 million in fines or, you know, two to 4% of your revenue, whichever is greater. Um, And so those are huge fines. Um, You know, many companies would have a very difficult time absorbing that. And in California, if you look at this, they've elected not to cap those fines. So, um, you know, you're right. You start doing the math on these things. And if it's, uh, you know, if you have intentionally sold something and thought you could get away with it and you get caught and you've sold the data of, you know, 20,000 people and, you know, times that by 7,500 in fines uh, by then whatever the statutory damages are and, you know, that.
0: That's right. The other thing I, you had mentioned that is also different from the GDPR is that ability to sue, right? There's that ability to get to join class action suits right. as well as your own, your own suits. So it, there's much, much more at stake if you meet the qualifiers. But like you said, I think this is going to evolve to where it won't just be larger companies. I think smaller companies need to get ready.
1: yeah no i do too and if you think about you know 25 million dollars that's that that covers you know uh, it, it's not going to cover you know some of your real small businesses uh, of course but that going down to 25 million dollars you're going to scoop mm-hmm. up a lot of companies in that
0: mhm i think so too
1: and then on, on those fines one one of the other things that is a little bit different is that um, you know with the GDPR um, you can actually be fined if you're deemed to be non-compliant um, whether or not you necessarily have um, anything has happened. So if, if if they're looking at this and see that you don't have these safeguards and so things in place that GDPR requires um, they can fine you for that where the way that it would work in the state of California Um, is that um, you would only incur penalties for violations. So they're not going to come in and look at it and say, hey, we don't think you're in compliance or, you know, we don't think you've done this the way you should have done it. If you are in violation, then you are going to get nailed with those fines.
0: Right. When when you look at the clients that you're working with, where do you find them struggling the most? Is it that they... Haven't prepared for the GDPR, and so the CCPA is really, really a big deal. Or because it does seem, and you had mentioned this earlier, is is if you're ready for GDPR, you're almost all the way ready for CCPA, right?
1: Yeah. Yes, I I believe so. I I think that if you've if you've taken if you are GDPR compliant. Um, then I don't think it's going to be um, the most difficult thing in the world for you to be in compliance with this CCPA. Um, I think, you know, if you've ignored GDPR and just said it doesn't apply to me, um, you know, I'm not in the EU, um, I don't do business in the EU, and uh, you haven't paid attention to it, um, then this is where, you know, I, I think as you start looking at the uh, CCPA, you you could run into a few issues. Um, you know, it could be kind of a rude awakening when you take a look at some of the things that you might have to do.
0: And so really it's just assessing where your data is, assessing what you're doing with that data, making it transparent and creating those processes so that you can get, you know, that your customers can be notified, they can be opted into. Is it primarily so people would opt in in advance or is it more of a, with the CCPA, because I understand the GDPR, but um, do they have to have the same sort of pre-agreed upon opt-in and privacy policies and then having processes to opt out? Is that the way that companies are approaching it?
1: I believe that with the CCPA, you have to have the ability to opt out. So I I think, and then once you opt out, you can't be approached for a minimum of 12 months asking you to opt in again.
0: Okay, so that's different as well. So that's an interesting little nuance there. When, I mean, we know that many companies haven't been really paying attention, but what? Where should companies start? When should they start? How do they best approach this? Do you need to? I mean, hire a law firm. What's the What's the right way for a company to just kind of get their arms around this?
1: Yeah, I I think the time. If you haven't done it, the time to start doing it is now. Um. Uh. And because again, these fines, the statutory damages, and the fines can be huge and it's one of those things that you know if you 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 don't think it could happen to you until it happens until it happens to you And and i guarantee you with the ability to sue there are going to be people out there um looking for this and you know testing testing it and you know trying to figure out if companies you know um are doing this um or are are not in compliance. Um, and, and it, it could cause you all kinds of problems. So if you're just now, you know, I think there are um uh you know some um you know some of the consulting firms, you know, I think some of the you know the big four consulting uh divisions would have knowledge of this and as you mentioned, you know, some law firms could certainly advise on it, but I would start talking to some people that we're experts in this and, and invest a little bit of money uh, up front to make sure that I was, you know, doing this properly now, um, waiting then to, you know, take my chances of, of uh, you know, something happening down the road and, and then having to deal with it in that way.
0: I think that's really great advice and it's not that easy. And, and I think what you said about this is actually going to open up an entirely new market of, what we kind of call trolls, right? People that are going to be out there looking for companies that are non-compliant and figure out how they might benefit from this. There's a significant opportunity for this to be a a market. It's it's an ugly market and it's not, um, you know, it's not what I would suggest, but it's the reality. And if you don't think that's going to happen. That's a very naive approach for a company.
1: Correct. That any time we see things like this out there, um, it, no matter how, you know, well-intentioned um, it is or, you know, what issue it, it's trying to to create, there are an element of people out there that are going to try and figure out how they can kind of manipulate it for some personal um You know, benefit. Um, And so you just need to be aware of that. And, you know, that's within their legal right to do so. But you just need to know that that kind of thing is out there.
0: And that is a big difference from the GDPR, which is primarily being legislated through the government organizations this most likely is going to be primarily legislated in the courts by individuals going after companies that are in breach or in not in compliance with this. So that's a different, I think that's gonna be a really interesting next few years around data privacy. So what we'll do with this is, I think there's a number of really fantastic resources. We'll make sure that, uh, I imagine you guys have some really great resources on your website as well. We'll add some of those to so that our listeners really can also dig into both the CCPA as well as the GDPR and those you know, kind of the nuances around that. But I I think I mean, a US companies for sure are not prepared, but foreign com- companies that hadn't really been thinking about this really do need to look at how one is it different and getting set up now because I think it's going to become a really really big problem really fast if they don't, so.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think that, you know, like with, um, you know, GDPR, there is going to be a lot of confusion out there about who's covered, who isn't covered, do I have to comply, and so I would encourage companies, um, you know, to really make sure that they're getting good advice on this, you know, I had a an an interesting call. Um, oh, this is now probably about two months ago with a chief financial officer of a company here, and the person held dual citizenship, um, and they were a citizen uh, of a European Union country as well as a as a U.S. citizen, and you know something had come up you know in the course of the phone call and then the, and the and the CFO was telling me well you know um, if i don't you know you if i wouldn't want you to have this information or whatever then you know i can you know legally request that you delete it or you know you're um you're not in compliance with GDPR and so then I'm telling him hey look if you know you want us to de- delete the information at any time just let us know we'll delete it I, I don't care um but we are not in compliance um we're not out of compliance with GDPR because you know you are you, you know you're in California
0: that's
1: right and you you reside in California you, you don't reside in the EU And he was challenging that really hard and saying, yes, I'm an EU citizen, so it applies to me. And I'm trying to – I don't want to get in a fight with a guy, but I know that it applies to him as an EU citizen when he is in the EU. That's right. You know, just like – But he could be on
0: vacation. I think there were some questions of even if he doesn't reside there, could he – he probably has that right when he's there, but not when he's here.
1: Correct. So – um you know if i am you know my daughter is studying abroad in spain and if i go to spain to visit my daughter i have the gdpr protections on my personal data while i'm there because right. because i'm in that country and so i just point that out a little bit because th- this is a, this was a chief financial officer um and he was even struggling to understand exactly how this worked. And so, you know, you, and you don't want right. to, you know, this is not right. one of those things you want to guess um, about. So I, I, you know, just, just make sure you're, you know, you're aware of it. Um, and, you know, you've uh, um, you know, you've taken care of it appropriately. Um, and then, like I say, and I, I you know, I would even, you know, and even take this through to, you know, when you're hiring people and you're collecting that data and you've got direct deposit and you've got bank account information and you've got social security numbers. And, you know, I I would, um, even though, you know, most companies, you're not necessarily going to go sell that information to anybody, but, I would start right now making sure that you have, um, you're really looking at any of your policies internally in which um, that kind of data is being shared or is flowing through an organization, and then what happens to it.
0: Right, and it could be as much as just a profiling partner where they're then, using that information to build their business and then it's being sold, from, right? There's all sorts of ways that you didn't even realize how that data might be being sold downstream right. as well.
1: And then maybe somebody, what if your system does get compromised, somebody comes in, steals the data, and then they sell it to a third party. Now, I think that would be like an unintentional violation, but that's still a violation. So, you know, you. The, I, I guess the moral of the story is that that you really need to be very guarded with any type of personal information. Um, And, you know, the government is going to legislate that you, that you do that, um, that you should be doing that without any extra, you know, push from, from an authority.
0: I think that's really great advice. So with that, I want to thank you again for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you as our guest and, um, we always appreciate your insights, so thank you again.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure.
0: So for our listeners, please be sure to join the free resource hub on globig.co, especially if you're serious about doing business internationally or even within the United States. The Globig International Business HR and Data Privacy Management Platform just connects you to really great services just like GAva Talent Solutions and Global Upside, and makes your day-to-day so much more productive. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast channel for more fantastic international expansion podcasts. Thank you.